Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. of their own this is this is episode 155 of a, a pot of their own i am allison mccaig and i am joined this week by my lovely co-hosts linda serovich hello linda hey allison and maggie wiggin hello maggie hi allison before we start the show in earnest um a quick programming update if you do not follow us on social media you may not know this uh but if you do follow us on social media you already know but we are very excited to announce that this is our first show as a home run applesauce podcast. Yay! Yay! Um, so, as I uh, as I mentioned in previous weeks leading up to this, um, Vox uh, is no longer monetarily supporting our show. Um, but that means that we were able to go independent, um, which is awesome. Um, home run applesauce is the name of our new home. Um, it is where all the former amazing Avenue podcasts will be from here on out. Um, and that is part of the fans first sports network, which is a new podcast and enterprise started by five people, four of which were, um, former SB nation podcasters, including our own deputy site manager and podcast ad, Brian Salvatore. Um, so fans first sports network has, uh, a ton of, a ton of shows, um, representing most of, if not all of MLB, um, and a bunch of NFL shows, a bunch of NCAA shows, a bunch of NBA shows. Um, but the home of the Mets podcasts will be home run applesauce. Um, 
Like we've been saying about this changeover, if you already subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast app, whether that be Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, whatever, nothing will change. You will still get our pods on the same RSS feed as before, thanks to the generosity of Vox, who have been awesome through this process and let us keep our RSS feed, our name, so we don't have to start from scratch, which is really awesome. Um, They will just be under our new name, Home Run Applesauce, the new name and the new logo. So the show will look a little different when it shows up in your feed, but it will still show up. You will not have to do anything. Um, If you don't use a podcast app to listen to us, the pods will still be posted on Amazing Avenue for a little while longer. And you can listen through the embedded player on Amazing Avenue for a little while longer. But... You can also go to our new website, homerunapplesauce.com, and find an embedded player there where the latest episodes will be. If you didn't subscribe on a podcast app previously, but you would like to start listening on a podcast app, which I would recommend if you are able to do that, if you search Home Run Applesauce on your favorite podcast app of choice, you can find us right there. Our feed will be there with our show all the lovely former Amazing Avenue pods on the same feed, just like you had before. You will get all of our shows. But an important thing that has changed, we now have a Patreon, which is awesome. Yeah, we do. Yeah. (laughs) It's fantastic. We're very excited about this. People have been asking us about this for a really long time. Um, And while we were under Vox, uh, it wasn't not allowed, but it was complicated. I won't get into why, but it was complicated. We couldn't have a Patreon before, but now we can. Um, So you can support our work by going to patreon.com slash homerunapplesauce. And you can sign up to be a patron at $5 per month. And that money is so important to us right now, especially while we're trying to get this thing off the ground. It not only helps pay us for the work that we do, um, but it also helps keep the lights on at Fans for Sport ne- Sports Network at Home Run Applesauce at our new venture. Um, it helps us get new equipment. It helps us to even possibly make merch down the line. That is part of the plan. We plan to make merch. Before, it was like basically like three people in the world had a pot of their own merch. Exclusive uh, merch. It was very I exclusive. use my tote as an airplane carry-on. It's like the perfect size. Oh, it's great. It is. Um, it's a nice tote. My tote is my beach bag. It's a perfect Ooh, size for that as like well. That. Mine is my library bag. <laughs> we love it. Um, but basically besides us, there were like two other people who had, um, a pot of their own merch and it was because they won it at dollars for dingers. That was basically the only way you could get it. Um, now it will be more ubiquitously available. You will be, we will make it, you will be able to purchase it. That is, uh, down the line. And that is something that your $5 per month helps go to. And Um, we have so many fun ideas for you guys. Oh, we were just brainstorming some extremely excellent content that will be for our wonderful patreon listeners so yes Yes. um i will not give any details (laughs) yeah we can't reveal everything yet but um but if you become a patron um on patreon.com slash home run applesauce if you become a patron there your five dollars per month not only helps us a lot you also get really wonderful perks and it already comes with a bonus content every month two bonus pods every month from our home run applesauce team of some form they won't necessarily be a pod of their own pods they won't necessarily be minor league pods they might be like crossover pods they will be some form of content from our team so two pods a month 
And you will also get access to our Discord server, um, which is exclusive to Patreon members. Um, and our Discord is where we're going to just like chat all the time, shoot the shit while the Mets are on, all that good stuff. You will get access to that, be able to talk to us about the Mets and anything else under the sun. You will get a monthly live stream event. Um, we will have some sort of live stream event, whether it be for a Mets game or something else. Um, and more fun extras that, like we said, we've been brainstorming even right before we recorded this podcast. Uh, more extras are still in the works. So $5 a month gets you a lot of fun stuff. Um, and it really, really helps us. So please consider supporting the podcast. Um, now that we're independent, we can do these things and we can give you guys a lot more content. Um, and it's really exciting for us. So please consider supporting us. Okay, for $5, it's like a bargain. That's a Starbucks latte and look at all what you're getting. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So much fun content. Um, In addition to following our show on social media, um, none of our handles have changed. You can still find us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at a pot of their own. You can now follow Home Run Applesauce on Twitter and Instagram at Home Run Applesauce, at HR Applesauce. I am sorry, not the full word Home Run, at HR Applesauce. And Fans First Sports Network on Twitter at Fans First SN, Fans First SN. So, uh, yeah, we are we are a home run applesauce podcast now, and we couldn't be more excited about it because we get to do a lot of stuff that we couldn't do before, um, just by the nature of being independent, by the nature of being supported by patrons. Um, so please support our work. We're very excited for this new chapter, and we hope and we owe so much to the community for our ability to even get here. So thank you guys so much for your support, for your, for listening, and continuing to support us. So thank you. Um. In the world of the Mets, <laughs> it has mostly <laughs> been an un- unfortunate injury update after unfortunate injury update. They um, are still the Mets. They are still <laughs> always, the Mets, folks. Always the Mets. Um, so uh, since the last time we recorded, um, we we already knew the last time we recorded that Jose Quintana um, had a rib issue, um, but we did not know. It was just like a stress reaction, very vague um no timeline on him whatever um but we have since learned um something rather scary um that it was actually a lesion on his rib which a biopsy thankfully revealed to be benign um but he still needed bone graft surgery and because of that he will be out until at least july um so there uh, jose quintana will be recovering from this surgery for uh, basically until the all-star break at least um so we wish him well in his recovery that's a really scary bit of medical news to get um and hopefully he comes out of this uh okay and better than before so um that was unfortunate to hear but um at, at least they caught it early because you know you think about how often like these types of little things if it was someone who wasn't a star athlete, who knows how long it would have taken to notice something like this, you know, it's like so random. But yeah, so that's a, that's a tough one. You have to think that like the ribs are kind of central and that always, I feel like anything to the core always seems to, I mean, not necessarily that it takes them longer to get back out there but to get all the way up to full strength i always feel like is is slower than we'd like yeah for stuff like this especially for pitchers too that's a lot of stream yeah yeah bone graft surgeries no joke yeah 
Um, but um, in the meantime, that has sort of created a competition in spring training between David Peterson and Tyler McGill for that fifth starter role. I would imagine that David Peterson has the upper hand at the moment just because of the fact that um, he's been pitching better. Uh, than <laughs> that that is yeah, and he's a lefty too. David Peterson is still unscored upon in spring training uh, so far. I mean, he... He still he he walks a lot of guys. Uh, that has always been his problem. That continues to be his problem. Um, he leads the team in walks this spring. I think the last time I checked, um, which was like a couple days ago. Um, so yeah, that's I mean, still you an could issue. say that, and I would believe it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he has limited the damage at least. Um, Tyler McGill has not performed quite as well. Um. There's still a scenario potentially where they both make the team, which I, I guess we'll get more into when we talk about the rest of the injuries the Mets are dealing with right now. Womp um, womp. womp uh, with, you know, the necessity to just, like, have the best pitchers on the team right now um, and roster your best players. They might both make the team, um, which is not pro- probably not a thing that was going to happen before because you wanted to keep them stretched out to start. But desperate times call for desperate measures. Unclear what the Mets will do. But one of those two will in all likelihood be the fifth starter. Um, the more prominent injury news, obviously, that everyone has been talking about, not just Mets fans, Um is uh, the injury to Edwin Diaz, uh, which he suffered while celebrating Puerto Rico's victory over the Dominican Republic in the World Baseball Classic. Um, He suffered a tear of his patellar tendon, just a completely freak accident. Um, They were not, like, if you look at the video, there isn't, like, obviously, like, a clear video of what happened exactly, but looking at video of the incident, it was not like they were, like, going really hard and like ramming into each other and doing a big dog pile. Like they were doing the normal sort of celebrating you do after a big win. They were just like jumping up and down in a, in a circle and he just landed funny and fell to the ground. Um, It really sucks. It it's just, just terrible. There's no. Terrible. Yeah. It just Did sucks. I cry listening to Narco driving home? Maybe. Maybe a little bit. <laughs> Yeah. I'm not saying it didn't happen. But I just- I mean, I fully had to just like I watched the video once and I was like, nope. I, I have watch not it watched it. I haven't seen it. No, I haven't. I bet it. it's I, terrible. I don't <laughs> it's recommend absolutely it. terrible. I don't recommend it. I watched yeah, the video no. once and I was like, nope, no. I have too much trauma no. from this. I no. can't do this right now. Oh. Um well and you've You've had some personal experience yeah. with knees going kablooey and yes. that I thought of immediately when I saw that. And, and I'm sorry I mean, that you had to face your own personal trauma in such a ridiculously <laughs> unfair way. It really was. And like, I mean, the second it happened, I mean, so he tore a different tendon. I tore my ACL. He tore his patellar tendon. Um, and But the second he went down. I was like, oh, that looks exactly like <laughs> an ACL, um, which is what I thought it was. Um, it was clear that he tore something. At least it was clear to me. I mean, obviously, you never know until you get tests. But the way it happened, um, the way he couldn't put weight on it, it was it was very clear to me, having just gone through this myself, that that is exactly what occurred. Um, I will say, I will do a short anecdote 
um, because uh, I talked to my physical therapist about this uh, injury, actually. Um, and I, I give a big, big caveat that this is just one person's opinion. This is not make me passing this off as medical advice this is not a this is not an endorsement it is just me passing along information that i thought it might be interesting for folks to know and they can draw their own conclusions based on this information but i thought that this information was interesting my physical therapy i went to pt uh, i go to pt twice a week because i'm still rehabbing a torn acl a surgically repaired acl um i was in pt the day after edwin diaz hurt himself um my PT knows I'm a Mets fan and said, did you see that injury? And I said, yes, it was horrible. And she said, I saw it too. And I can tell you that once I found out it was a patellar tear and not an ACL tear, that is much less freak than an ACL tear is. Uh, ACLs are really weird and random. And if you just simply like land on it wrong or turn the wrong way, it doesn't matter if you have a perfectly healthy ACL tendon, a perfectly strong supportive musculature, all that stuff, it can still just completely tear randomly. It's very random. But a patellar tendon tear is much more rare and much less random. As in, she said, this is just one professional's opinion she thinks that there this is more indicative of an underlying problem that was there that may not have been detectable by edwin diaz or the mets because both of them said you know we knew of no underlying knee issue um so he was probably not experiencing pain or or weakness or anything like that but this type of tear is more indicative that there was some sort of structural issue that was pre-existent. And she literally said, and this was what some people tweeted, and she said this completely unprompted. He could have done this getting out of his car. He could have done this getting in the shower. He could have done this in a spring training game. It might have, ha- it probably would have happened eventually. Almost like a ticking time bomb kind of scenario. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um. So, mm-hmm. I mean, again, you know, Ugh. it still could have been completely random, but this yeah. this injury is rarer than an ACL tear and is more indicative of an underlying structural problem. Um, now, you know, it may again, like like ticking time bomb scenario, like maybe that timer never goes off. Maybe it goes off five years from now, but it was there somewhere um, is what she she seemed to think. Um, now, the average recovery for this injury, Billy Epler said in the press conference is eight months. Um, he made a point to say some some guys have come back in six months. Uh, so that was him sort of expressing some optimism that maybe Edwin Diaz would pitch this season. But I think the Mets have to operate as if he is not pitching this season. Well, Steve Cohen also seems determined to take care of Edwin as much as possible. So... Yeah, he sent didn't he send him like a personal chef? Yeah. <laughs> That's I mean, bless. I, I think for someone who literally doesn't know how to do anything but money, I, I think he's doing a very nice job of it, of applying yeah. money to the situation. Yeah, like I don't know what else. Like money's gotta make this better somehow. <laughs> like just do something. Lesser men would be trying to wrap dollar bills around him. So yeah. okay. And bubble wrap, stuff. like embed it in the bubble wrap. And you what know. if we rub the money into? <laughs> you put yeah. some neosporin on the money <laughs> and then rub it on the wound. I'm telling you, man. <laughs> Only $100 bills, nothing less than 100 would do. Of course. Like a one won't make you feel better. No, not at all. Maybe <laughs> even worse. 
<laughs> now, obviously, <sighs> because this injury occurred during the World Baseball Classic, even though it wasn't during the actual like gameplay, because it happened during the World Baseball Classic, it set off what I would call some of discourse. the most insufferable yes. discourse, um, insufferable baseball discourse that has occurred in some time. And it ended up just being people who, like, it ended up being Mets fans reacting to the injury with a sense of dismay and sadness about what this meant for the Mets versus people who wanted to reflexively defend the World Baseball Classic, understandably so, from this, like, freak thing that happened to me, like, your team doesn't matter. The World Baseball Classic is still really important. And I am just sitting there thinking, like, one can hold both of these thoughts. <laughs> well, then it also got gross again, where people like Brandon Nimmo was writhing in pain on the ground and they're like, see, World Baseball Classic. <laughs> yeah, it just got yeah. to be too much. Because yeah, like, like, now and- you're making fun of poor Brandon Nimmo, who had nothing to do with anything. Well, I would also like to call for a moratorium on referring to human beings as the property of the corporations that employ them. Like I would, that is also like I saw on multiple occasions, some slight variation on he belongs to the Mets. Yeah. And let's be clear about that. Edwin Diaz belongs to Edwin Diaz. (laughs) He's his own human being. Yes. And Whatever negotiations he had with his employer came to the conclusion that this was something that was going to work for both sides. He doesn't owe anybody anything. And listen, like, if you're so worried, I mean, people are, this is an ongoing issue. People are constantly worried about uh, owners' wallets for some reason. If you are that pressed about Steve Cohen's money, they got that back in insurance. It has yep. already been reported that this money has been insured for the Mets. So Which don't he's you worry your when Diaz's nutritionist. <laughs> don't you worry your pretty little heads about what? Steve Cohen's yeah. money. He will be fine. And I guess I understand that, like, if you think about life as a series of risk exposures, right? Then yes, something that is exciting will always be a higher risk exposure than if he they were spending that time like you know in like the team sauna or whatever like but at a certain point you have to wonder is that like a healthy way to think of lives even ones of professional athletes like so we're going to say oh we can't celebrate in the world baseball classic because that's an added risk exposure but like okay maybe he shouldn't play pickup basketball with his kids i don't know if he has kids but like i mean i just feel like you can go down that road forever and it's not a good one right i mean listen i want to make it abundantly clear I support the World Baseball Classic wholeheartedly. And we will talk more about the World Baseball Classic more broadly separate from this from this injury because obviously there's so much more to talk about when it comes to this tournament. I support this tournament. I support this tournament wholeheartedly. But my opinion doesn't matter. Your opinion doesn't matter. Everyone's opinion on Twitter doesn't matter as much as Edwin Diaz's opinion matters on this. And it is abundantly clear 
that Edwin Diaz wanted to participate in this tournament and felt very deeply about it. And that is the most important thing. Yeah. Well, Francisco Lindor said that too. They care very deeply. No one's making you care about the World Baseball Classic. You can you can be a diehard for the World Baseball Classic and say it's more important than Major League Baseball, or you can be on the complete opposite end of the spectrum and not care about the World Baseball Classic at all. Both those opinions are okay, and it is your right to have them. That's fine. You can support whatever form of baseball that you enjoy. But the fact of the matter remains that the players care who are participating care a lot about this tournament. So I think the priority here should be to continue to grow the game via this tournament because this tournament is good for baseball and make i don't know if there are if there are changes that will improve this for everybody if that means moving it to a different time of year i am open mm-hmm. to that I, I think you have to, to at this point just to get rid of the discourse so that well, way should, no I, I mean to get easy. rid of the discourse but also like embrace it even more yes like like get, go to the every four years have fewer games because of the level of buy-in to that event. That's you know make the All Star break on all like three weeks every four years. Boom. I mean I realize I'm getting ahead of the game. We do right. have a whole segment on this. Yeah, era. but like yes, I totally agree. But that's but yeah, like, no. This is the appropriate time to talk about like all the right, structure of the World <laughs> Baseball Classic. We yes. can talk more about like this specific tournament and the fun things that have happened in it. But like, okay, we can talk about the structural like issues with the World Baseball Classic. If yeah. you if you are out here talking about how important this tournament is for the game and for the growth of the game and for the players, I agree with you. I also think that we should all do well to remember that this is still Major League Baseball's tournament sponsored by the league who profits the most from it, the Mm -hmm. league. And who should get a a bigger share of that pie? The players. The the prize pool for this is pathetic. Yeah. It's pathetically small. It should be much larger given, given the very cogent arguments that have been made about like viewership totals and how mu- how much money Fox is making from this, how much money Major League Baseball is making from this, it is clear that lots of fans care about this tournament. Great. The players should be getting a larger cut for what they for the labor that they are doing and for the, you know, if you want to call it risk assessment, for the risks that they are taking. Well, and it's so I feel like the players are always the soul of the game, but even more so there there's just the personalities that are coming out, the passion, like it's great baseball. And that's because the players are just all in. They're all in on it. Exactly. Well, and then Max Scherzer was discussing it and he said he doesn't feel stretched out. So he would never participate in it in March. And think of how more exciting it would be. If you had Max Scherzer starting tonight instead of Merrill Kelly. Right. Yeah. So I see a bunch of issues with it starting in March. Like, number one, yes, globally, it's grown. And obviously, that's been obvious. But in March, domestically, you're competing with March Madness. And so how are you growing the game when everybody's going to choose March Madness over this tournament? That people probably don't even remember happens every four years because MLB does a horrible job marketing it, well, at least at home. So that's number one. Number two is, again, what Max Scherzer said. The pitchers are just, you're never going to get the star pitchers because, again, of that risk assessment, 
like for the starters, they don't feel stretched out. And then you had, you know, you had teams saying, well, my pitcher can only pitch on this day or try to get them in back to back days. So how are you supposed to manage to win a game when you also are managing to get pitchers work in and like it just it doesn't the it doesn't make sense because then strategy goes out the window if you're being forced to use this guy because he needs work where if you moved it to July none of that all that goes away and you're not competing with anything you're like oh so hockey and basketball these games are they're they're the the seasons are winding down these games all mean Playoff positioning. So that's where I am right now. I'm watching the Rangers because these games are important. So you're just competing with too much right now in March. And people just aren't ready to be in baseball mode yet for for like competitive games, at least. So in there's a when the NHL went to the Olympics, they would shut the league down for two weeks let the players who wanted to play in the Olympics go. The players didn't want to go, got a two-week vacation, great. And then they all came back and got up back on with the season, shortened the season, and it was everybody was fine and happy. Like, yes, injuries still happen, but those are – I feel like people were able to tolerate them more because now here you're blaming, well, they're not warmed up. It was too much too soon. Again, that discourse all goes away if you do it in July. I do think July slash All-Star break, though it's not a perfect solution, may be the, like, lesser of all the evils, I guess, because moving it to November would be, is an option that people have have brought up, um, because, you know, because guys would be in, in, you know, regular season mode still or like postseason mode or whatever but then you have the fatigue of an entire 162 game season plus for some teams and players the playoffs under well, your the belt. playoffs also are so long yeah now exactly. that i feel like part of the problem would be that the folks not in the playoffs haven't played a game in a month exactly yeah. And then you don't have as much time to ramp up for the following season because you've you've played for so long. Um, and so I do think that in if you did it in July, I still think that at least for a while, maybe it would be like a slow like ramp up. I still think you would get issues with some players participating, just like how some players don't participate in the All-Star game because they want to stay healthy for a stretch run if their team is in contention. I think you would still get some of that, but you would get a lot less of it than you get now in March when people like Max Scherzer are saying, like, I'm not ramped up to pitch in a full bore game right now. Well, um, I think it would help with competitive balance that way too. So you don't have a 19 year old kid from Canada pitching the Mookie Betts and my trout because yeah. that went exactly as how you would think it go. It would go. And it's yeah, not a I thrilling game. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I obviously, I would, I would love to maximize participation in this tournament for MLB players. Um, because it would make it would just make it more fun uh, for for more countries to be competitive, because right now there's basically like five or six countries that are competitive in this tournament. Or you go the Olympics route and say no professional MLB players can play and it's all college athletes who play. I suppose I, I the, the the issue I have with that 
And I saw a bunch of people arguing for like, you know, minor leaguers only and things like that in the World Baseball Classic. And my biggest issue with that is if you think it's too much of a risk to risk your favorite player, <laughs> mm. then you are asking guys who make who have made next to no money in this game yeah. take on that risk. Um, Career I, ending. Yeah, I'm not comfortable with that. Um, and they don't have the protection. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If if a minor leaguer tears his patellar tendon, his career might be over. Whereas Edwin Diaz's fi- financial future is secure, regardless of how he recovers from this. If injury. it's a college player, they would lose their I mean they might be one of those things where like as a courtesy they will let them finish out school but like yeah that's that's a big loss so no I I I think that's very fair yeah or you move it to July and only let college kids play in it so that way it's still within their regular season yeah I mean selfishly I want to watch the players that I know I you just want to watch that. Because it players. is cool seeing like Pete with Mike Trout and Mookie Betts. Like that's like yeah. pretty cool. I want to watch the best players play. And like, listen, like the clearly the goal of Major League Baseball, of people who are invested in this tournament's success, clearly the goal is for it to become the World Cup of baseball. And it's never it, like it is hard for any sporting event, even the Olympics, to ever reach the level of the World Cup when we're talking about literally billions of viewers, not on the order of millions, on the order of billions of viewers. But, but to move in that direction. Exactly. And if you want to move in that direction, the best players have to play, period. It has to be the best yeah. product team yeah. possible. And if you and if you think about a comparison to the World Cup, no, uh, you you have obviously very passionate fans of club teams in soccer, but no, if you no soccer fan worth their salt would say, I don't want Lionel Messi to play for Argentina in the World Cup because I am a Barcelona fan and I I'm afraid he will get injured and not be able to play for Barcelona. Like you will just get laughed out of the room if you say that. So well, and every other major sport also has international competition. Baseball really doesn't have anything else because they even got rid of baseball in the Olympics now because of this problem. Yeah, <laughs> literally because of this problem. Um, so I think that just maximizing this tournament and like making it as as like um welcoming to everyone to participate if they want to as possible is in everyone's best interest and it, no one's asking MLB fans like diehard MLB fans of their favorite team to care about this if the, if international competition is not your favorite way to consume baseball then that's totally fine um but this like regressive like eh, thanks world baseball classic now Edwin Diaz can't pitch for the Mets it's just like that's that doesn't serve anyone like that's not it's not productive (laughs) like it just it's it's frustrating and then it created this like intense backlash that just like you know now every now like linda was saying with brandon nimmo now like brandon nimmo tweaking his knee slightly brought out immediate like oh world baseball classic like that's to be clear if they were not playing a world baseball classic they'd be playing baseball in spring training like it's not as though the alternative is like gently lying in a hammock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, like Gavin Lux is out because he hurt himself in spring training. 
Gavin Lux tore his tore his ACL playing in a spring training game. That happened. Like, you know what? And if you want to say, well, that's necessary, like none of it's necessary. None of it's necessary. No, yeah. That's not why we're here. (laughs) Like if you We're here because it's amazing. Right. Like if you think that you're taking like some maximally leftist position or whatever, like the actual like maximally leftist (laughs) position is like not caring about sports and becoming one of those weird like sports ball people. And I don't think any. (laughs) No, I I feel like the no, no, the, the maximally leftist is like is like playing a pickup game outside with like a a potato. Yeah, with like no stakes. I mean, like, listen, I I tore my ACL basically playing a pickup game outside. Like that's how it happened. So like, you can still. It doesn't matter how low stakes it is. Now I'm not a professional. of the world's athlete. natural socialists, and I'm all not they a professional do. athlete with a professional athlete's body. But like, listen, <laughs> I am a woman in my 30s, and that can just happen. But can we talk about how weird the human body is? How things can uh, just go kablooey for no reason. Oh, I don't want to think too hard about how no. we're all just like sacks of meat and tendons that's just like held together by like the. Uh, I don't. I I can't think about it too hard. It'll make me. <laughs> it'll make me freak out. <laughs> yeah, like, uh. <laughs> Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Why were we designed this way? It just it does just suck. And it really does feel like the mess. Yeah, why is it always on? I was so excited. Like it looks like when Diaz just doesn't hurt the bats, it hurts baseball. Yeah. yeah. This sucks for everyone. This sucks primarily for Edwin Diaz. It but yes. it sucks for the Mets. It sucks for baseball. It sucks for everyone involved. And he was a legitimate like, star. He yep. I mean, who else is gonna generate 10 million views on a on an SMI clip. He went right. viral. No other no other base major league baseball player has come close to generating that kind of viral moment. Well and because had, I mean it's a brand and, yeah. and, it's like, and it's not a like cultivated brand is the it's thing. Organic. It really just came out of who he is as a player and as a person. And that is you can't really replicate that no like i said like you know i've been watching hockey i've been watching you know there was football you would hear narco played in arenas you would never hear it before and that was all because of him 
And like, I mean, another like set of discourse that the World Baseball Classic has generated is talking once again about and we've talked about this very thing on this podcast, not in the context of the World Baseball Classic, but like, you know, the World Baseball Classic, the idea is to bring all the stars of the game together and you're getting to see the the stars of the game, Shohei Otani, Mike Trout, Trey Turner on the biggest stage and talking about like does baseball have true celebrities or true stars that like transcend that are like cultural icons, right? Like not just, we talk all the time about how Shohei Otani should be as famous as LeBron James, but he's not um, for reasons that have to do partially with just the culture of baseball and how parochial it is. And also have to do with like the, the failure of major league baseball to properly market its players. But like, Edwin and the failure Diaz, of the LA Angels to do anything to be yeah. a good baseball Ugh. team. Um, but like Edwin Diaz was like kind of starting to get there. Like yeah. with with the with the whole like narco thing, like that expanded way beyond baseball circles. Like that that was like that was like starting to get to like a cultural moment. And that's it's the type big. of stuff you want. And yeah, yeah, that's that's what makes me, I think, the most sad is it's just it's a loss for the sport as a whole. And it was something I was looking forward to, like seeing the clip of him coming into pitch for Team Puerto Rico. Like my whole timeline was like lit up with trumpets. Everybody was so excited. And that that's it. That's all we get. And, And it's just it's sad. And it's sad for everybody. Yeah, I think that's what part of what was so horrific about it is that like. It was just like you went from like unbridled joy to horror in the span yeah. of like two seconds flat. Um, and I mean, now we can now that we've talked about the discourse, we can talk about implications for the Mets because this does have implications. For oh, Mets. can we talk about Francisco's quote? Too? Oh my goodness! Well, yes, I'm gonna cry. No, yeah, like Francisco Lindor said that. Um, he didn't realize how much he loved Edwin until he couldn't stop crying when he saw him go down, which is just like, oh, okay, take my heart out and smash it with a hammer. Yeah, like my boys. I know. It's... They're <laughs> so good to each other. I know. They love each other so much. Yeah. <laughs> the vibes were so good. Even just like coming into camp, Diaz looked so happy. He got his new contract. And, and you know, and even now, Eppler said he was in good spirits, saying, don't worry, I got I this. bet he oh. was. We <laughs> will cover that more. We will cover that part of yeah. it more. Killing me. Just this is true. Yeah. Um, but the... So who's closing games, Allison? <laughs> <laughs> do tell us. Who is closing games? Um, It's probably going to be some combination of David Robertson and Adam Adovino, which, I mean, okay, listen, I know that the drop-off in vibes is huge, and, (laughs) like, there is, uh, in the more analytics baseball circles, there, there was discourse about, like, how, like, how irreplaceable is Edwin Diaz, really? And you can kind of look at that in a couple of different ways. You can you can say this isn't that devastating compared to something like if you look at it on an objective level, Francisco Lindor being hurt for a similar time span would be much more devastating to the yes. Mets and their yeah. win projection than Edwin Diaz simply due to the fact that Francisco Lindor plays every day. Edwin Diaz does not factor into every game. 
the way Francisco Lindor does. And so, yes, there are more devastating injuries that could have occurred. And yes, but at the same time, he brings more value than almost any other reliever on the planet. Yeah, literally an elite tier, almost on his own. Um, when you talk about relievers in baseball, um, maybe, maybe Emmanuel Classe gets close. Maybe Josh Hader, if he is like himself and not whatever weirdness happened with him last year, um, like like peak Josh Hader. Um, that's like it though. No one else touches that tier um, of elite reliever. It's it's like you got to like reliever the way we evaluate relievers is like all messed up <laughs> and there's like no good way to do it um but if you talk less about war which is what people are trying to talk about when they say like oh this isn't actually that devastating because if you just like add up the wars of like Adam Ottavino and David Robertson then maybe you can get like 75% of what Edwin Diaz offers like maybe yes but if you look at like stats like win probability added and things like that yeah. it is about leverage it is not just about like reliever innings production it's not just like oh 60 innings of 2.5 era is almost as good as 60 innings of edwin diaz's 1.8 era or whatever it's not just that it's about the leverage of the innings that are being pitched um and edwin diaz is just like basically on an island by himself as far as like what he adds when it comes to leverage and win probability added. Um, but again, this isn't the worst possible thing that could have happened to the Mets. Uh, they luckily built a pretty good bullpen. Um, even without Edwin Diaz in this bullpen, most teams would be happy with this bullpen as it is currently constructed. Um, it should be fine, but it won't be great. <laughs> Well, somebody on Twitter um, tweeted at me that maybe uh, the Mets should just go more by matchups now instead of just having a designated closer. Like sure. closer by committee. Yeah, like if yeah. Robertson's your better guy and you have Trey Turner coming up in the eighth inning, then go to Robertson in the eighth and then go to Adovino in the ninth. Well, and this I is think- a situation where I feel like I am extremely confident that Buck Walter will make the most of what he has. Yeah. You know, I feel like this is the kind of thing where we can like hash out all of the various pluses and minuses of that. But Buck, he knows his dudes. He knows the situation. Like, very, very grateful to have a real baseball manager. This might be a little sore subject, but Allison, your thoughts on Zach Britton? Oh, yes. Well, speaking of Buck Walter and Zach Britton, <laughs> I mean, listen, like when you talk about like, because again, this happened, this happened to Edwin Diaz, like so close to the start of the season. So is there anyone available that could be even close to replacing hmm. him? The answer is no. Hmm. Um, All the good free agents are gone. So what you have left is Zach Britton is probably the best available option if you're talking about guys that are still free agents. And the Mets did attend his showcase. Um, previously the Mets were connected to him and chose not to pursue him because he was, he, he was out of options and the Mets were preferring to have those one or two spots in the bullpen where they could cycle up and down optionable guys, um, rather than have a bunch of spots locked in with guys who they'd have to pass through waivers if they wanted to cut them. But, 
Um, I think obviously their calculation and uh, changes now, given the fact that they are out a closer for the whole year. Um, I think Zach Britton would be a good ad, but like, I don't know, like at, at this point in his career, is he really any better than like Tommy Hunter, Drew Smith, <laughs> Drew Smith some of the internal options that they already have. I mean, he would add to the depth, but like again, he has no options. So like if you add him, you have to you have to keep him on the team or pass him through waivers. He might make it through waivers and then go to the minors. That would be fine, but I don't know if the Mets are interested in that. Um Bucks are it's certainly a guy Buck knows, I'll say yeah. that. Um with regard to Buck and his bullpen management, um I know that Buck Showalter has made bullpen management decisions individually that have made us on this podcast, many people and us on this podcast included, scratch our heads. But something yes. that he was objectively excellent at was load management. And that goes for his pitchers and position players last year. He was very good at not overworking guys. If you look at the bullpen last year and how many innings all the guys pitched, no one was overworked. And I think that that is important for this kind of closer by committee situation the Mets might have going on. Um, and Buck is clearly good at at least managing that so that like Adam Adovino doesn't have to pitch like three days in a row or whatever. Um, and to be clear, like when I, I, I do not mean to imply that Buck Showalter can do no wrong when it comes to, but I feel like when it comes to sticky situations that require sort of a like com combined like analytics and personnel kind of approach. I think that's kind of where he um, comes off the best. <laughs> Sticky situations, Sticky. which the umpire, <laughs> which the umpires will be checking again apparently <laughs> <laughs> with this more year. vigor. With more vigor, they say. They will be checking on the <laughs> sticky stuff again. So let's hope that the Mets don't get into too many sticky situations, <laughs> literally speaking. Oh, um, but yeah, it, it, and this brings up like an interesting situation now. Uh, obviously, the like everyone, you, when you, when your best reliever goes down, ever everyone's uh, like job, like they move up a peg on like the, the, I don't want to call it a totem pole because I should take that out of my vernacular. Um, but, you know, everyone, hierarchy. Gets, everyone gets moved up a peg in the hierarchy. Exactly. Um, thank you, Maggie. I was like looking for the word and that was it. Um, and so you have um, Adam Adovino and David Robertson is your primary like high leverage guys, closers, whatever you want to call it. Um, but then this brings up an interesting situation of like more of these guys on the fringes that we've been talking about that are competing for these spots. More of them are going to make the team now or one more of them <laughs> is going to make the team. Um, I think it's pretty much locked up that Steven Nagosik is going to make the team because he's out of options. Again, <laughs> Mets are kind of like locked in to him. Um, I think John Curtis is going to make this team like almost certainly he's pitched great in spring. Um, and then you have like Tommy Hunter and like Jimmy Yacobonis are like two guys that like might make the team. Um, Yacobonis still unscored upon this spring. Tommy Hunter still unscored upon this spring. Hey. So Way to go Tommy Hunter. I mean, I listen, Tommy <laughs> I love him too. Tommy Hunter has pitched really well. Um, <laughs> and if you just talk about like who's pitched the best in spring, like Tommy Hunter has earned a spot in this bullpen. If it's a true meritocracy, then. But does he have options? No. I mean, really? Like, well, Tommy a... Hunter is a veteran. Is 
Oh, right. And he's on a minor league contract. So what he yeah. can do is he can opt out if he doesn't make the team. Um, And so I think that he also has a slight leg up. Jimmy Yacobonis is also out of options, but the Mets, I think, feel maybe that they can sneak him through waivers. Whereas Tommy Hunter could say, look at my spring resume. I'm going to opt out of this minor league contract and go seek an opportunity with another team where I Which you would probably find because everybody needs relievers all the time. Everyone always needs relievers. So I do feel that like similar to Nogasek being out of options, I think that Tommy Hunter might have a leg up on some of these other guys um, who mm-hmm. they might be able to sneak through waivers. John Curtis does have options, but he's pitched so well at this point. And like, I mean, this shouldn't necessarily be a consideration, but even with the cash rich Mets, it always is. He like makes real money <laughs> on like a major league deal. So I have a feeling that just like by nature of that, he might have a leg up on other guys. Um so, yeah, it'll be interesting. And there are, like, some other guys. I mean, we talked about... Wait, who was um, the dude they got from the Marlins? Jeff Brigham. Yeah. Um, he he also might have a chance to make the team. Um, and then there was... who Sam Coonrod would have almost certainly made this team. Um, but he has a lat strain um, and is now out for, like, at least a month, I think. Well, There's Brooks the- Raley, too, is iffy. Brooks Raley, they think he's going to be ready for opening day, okay. but they aren't sure. Um, he's like, I feel like a Brandon Nimmo situation. We'll get to Brandon Nimmo in a minute. Um, we've alluded to Brandon Nimmo, um, where like he might be ready for opening day, but he's not. Maybe it's like a week or two max. Um, but Brooks Raley is obviously like in the bullpen. Yes, yeah. he's ready to go. Um, but yeah, that's so the bullpen is interesting now. <laughs> uh, I mean, it was interesting before, but it becomes kind of more interesting now. We'll see by the time we podcast next, probably this will have shaken out. Um, and we discussed previously, um, you know, it might end up being that more of these these guys that have had good springs make the team and none of these potential longman candidates that we were talking about before make the team. Um Sad churve noises for Linda. Joey Lucchese was optioned. Not um, happy. To the minor leagues, so he is not making the team. And I mean, <laughs> cover your ears, Linda. Mm. He didn't pitch well in spring, so he didn't exactly, you his know. His first outing was good. His He's first outing was injury. good. His first outing was good. He's coming back from injury. You know, maybe he just needs some time. Um, I'm confident that he might get the call at some point if he performs well in AAA. Um, the Churv he... is making a comeback, I swear. <laughs> Churv, is, Churv is happening. Um, <laughs> Alicia Hernandez is still in camp, if I recall correctly, but he has not exactly covered himself in glory this no. spring. <laughs> no. um, which is a shame because, like, I think he would have made the team. If he pitched well at all, I think he would have been, like, a near lock. Because and I think he's still a young guy, too. He's very young. He has good stuff. He just can't stop giving up dingers. And that's been his issue. That's been his bugaboo the whole time. Um, His whole career with the yeah. Marlins. He has, like, a two, over two home runs per nine. That's not good. <laughs> um, I think it's even worse than that. I don't remember. But it's not, it's not good. It's not good home run rates. Not, not what you want. Not what you want. Mm-hmm. Um, nope. So uh, another option, like we mentioned before, is if McGill and Peterson both make the team, that's possible. And then one of these um, other guys, like Jacobonis, might not make it because that because McGill and Peterson make it. That's possible. Um so we'll see how this all shakes out, but it'll be interesting. Hopefully the Mets can 
cobble together a bullpen that can keep the ship afloat. <laughs> uh, well, nicely. I mean, they, they don't have too many big holes or question marks elsewhere on the team. It really is like which is nice. the last minute kind of jostling around is really just limited to the bullpen. Yeah. I mean, I think the only other outstanding thing is whether Brett Beatty makes this team or not. Yeah. I think um, he has to at this point. I, I had previously thought, now I've always felt this entire spring, basically, that Brett Beatty should make the team. That is my personal stance on the matter. Very, very clear. Um, I have always thought Brett Beatty should make this team. I have waffled back and forth on whether I thought the Mets shared my opinion or not. Early on in spring, I really thought that they were setting up for to just hand Eduardo Escobar the job and not give Brett Beatty a, a, like a a spot on the team at all or an opportunity at all because they were behaving like a team that was not interested in rostering Brett Beatty because they were giving a lot of his at-bats to Mark Vientos. Mark Vientos has like 15 more plate appearances than anybody else, including Brett Beatty. He was getting a lot of third base and I was kind of like, what are they doing here? Are they setting up for Eduardo I Escobar? Trade him, maybe. Yeah, I was like, are they showcasing him? Are they setting up for Eduardo Escobar to be the everyday third baseman and for Mark Vientos to be the part-time DH and getting Darren Ruff off off this team, which to be clear, I do support. (laughs) Um, But I thought that was kind of the wrong way to do it. I would prefer Brett Beatty make the team, Eduardo Escobar DH, and Darren Ruff be off the roster. Um, But then today, literally today, um, two pieces, two separate pieces appeared um, two separate pro Beatty pieces appeared from two different sources, one from John Heyman and one from Tim Healy. And Tim Healy, the piece that Tim Healy wrote uh, was basically Eric Chavez, like saying that Brett Beatty's ready defensively to play third base, which was not something the Mets were saying before. <laughs> well, that is always like that's that's kind of the unofficial official line that all teams use when they don't want to roster a player. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yep. And I mean, in Brett Beatty's case, there was like some merit to because, you know, he mm. he has struggled defensively at third base at times. But the Mets have made a big deal of like sh- showcasing through the press that he's worked very hard on his defense. And they're starting to say all the like buzzwords of like, oh, he seems ready. And um, and then John Heyman also tweeted today like. While Eduardo Escobar was away, Brett Beatty's really impressed the Mets. Could he make the team? So, like, the fact that the, like, beats are starting to tweet these things, to me, is indicative of, like, possibly a mindset change on the part of the Mets, which is positive if that's the case. I would love it if Brett Beatty made this team. Um, And credit to him, too. He went out there and stole the job. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe not Really just straight up earned it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and this might, this might indirectly be related to Brandon Nimmo somewhat because, uh, so we'll we'll get into Brandon Nimmo a little bit. So as we mentioned, Brandon Nimmo had his own injury scare, um, in Friday's game, he slid sort of awkwardly and he caught his spike on the dirt and like his knee kind of bent weird. Um, and it looked really bad at the time that it happened. Like he was like rolling around in pain and we were all having like traumatic flashbacks like, oh no, not again. Not this um, one. Not again. <laughs> he did get, unlike Diaz, he did come off the field under his own power. He was limping, but he walked off the field himself. Um, 
and was later diagnosed with like a mild sprain of his ankle and knee. Um, and but he was doing like drills today and thinks he's going to be ready for opening day. We'll see about that. But he seems optimistic about it, as do the Mets. Um, but if Nimmo has to miss some time, it kind of almost makes even more sense for Brett Beatty make the team because then Eduardo Escobar could shift to second base and Jeff McNeil could play some outfield um, to help make up for the absence of Nimmo. Obviously, the Mets would need another outfielder to make the opening day roster at that point, probably Tim Castro, um, who has really distinguished himself this spring, actually. Yeah, he's like good. Um, He's the he's like along with Beatty, he's the front runner for the our little uh King of Spring training contest at Amazing Avenue. Um that I that I run every year. Um of like weird NRIs who are standout performers in spring. That's been Tim Locastro this year. Um he's hitting like 400. Um so yeah, uh he he would likely make the team if Brandon Nimmo is out um and that would mean more Tommy Fam at bats, which might Oof. might be unfortunate, <laughs> given how he has performed this spring. Tana and Marte need to seal themselves in bumble wrap. Seriously, we cannot have any more injuries to outfielders. Um, so yeah, Brandon Nimmo iffy for opening day, but not a horrible diagnosis, all things considered. Um. Now, has he tried running to first after walking? That will be <laughs> the, the most important test. thing. Yes. <laughs> um. So yeah, that's kind of it for Mets camp right now. It's it's kind of, I mean, I would say it's kind of bleak because it's mostly been injury updates. But like you know, the the roster is set mostly. So, um, so there's not a whole lot else to say. Um, but we will close out our Mets segment this week with an annual tradition that we do here at a pod of their own, which is that each of us pick our dudes for each year. And this is kind of similar to the King of Spring training contest in the sense that these are dudes who aren't like Francisco Lindor, despite the fact that we clearly all very much adore him on this podcast. The Lindors are my personal royal family. So... Um, we know what we all love, Francisco Lindor, but he's not going to be our dude. It's like a more under the radar. No, he can't dude. be a dude. No, he's not a dude. He's not a dude. Like we know who Francisco Lindor is. We know he's one of the most important members of the New York Mets. Um, our dudes are kind of the more underrated guys who uh, will probably contribute to the team this year, and we think that they're going to be like more important than people are currently giving them credit for, I guess, is the best way to say it. And that, like, we are personally huge fans of these guys. Um, so we'll start with Maggie. Maggie, who's your dude this year? Um, so I'm sort of, I feel like um, there could be an argument being made that I'm a little overstepping the, like, underrated guy component of this, but I am picking Kodai Senga um, because, I mean, even though I think there's some solid expectations for him, I do think that he has a good chance to surpass them. And also, I mean, I just, I love Japan and Japanese baseball. You know, my husband grew up there and um, I visited many times and watched lots of Japanese league. I mean, well before 
well before Sengo was playing <laughs> a long time ago. We don't need to say how long. Um, <laughs> and it's it's just, it's such an amazing culture of loving baseball and loving kind of the same things that I feel like we all love about baseball. And Sengo seems like just a really earnest and funny guy to just have around. And I think, um, yeah, I think we're going to really enjoy him this year. And so I'm sort of stretching the boundary just a little bit to include him. Well, he's still an unknown. So I think you're yeah. I, I think I, it counts. Yeah. Especially because it's, like when we talk about the Mets pitching acquisitions, like all the all the eyes are on Justin Verlander, you know, it's kind of like, yeah, and as the, close and to the under the radar had... as like a five year deal can be. Exactly. Yeah. Um. All right, Linda, who's your dude? I think we already know, but we're going to we're going to ask anyway. <laughs> <laughs> can I still go with my mans, even though he's on the Giants? <laughs> he can be your supplemental dude. Okay, he's my supplemental dude. And now he's all of a sudden, he's like posting more on Instagram of him making great plays on the Giants. Like, oh, now then you can play defense, JD? Where was this? <laughs> Where'd that come from? <laughs> well, unless he's just happier out there, which I guess I'm just going to have to make pace with, but no. All right. Um. So even though he got optioned, I'm still going with Joey Lucchese, damn it. The churb. <laughs> He can still contribute. I still he can think that... still contribute. He, I, I envision him as the Trevor Williams of this season, even though it might mean McGill. But every time they've tried McGill out of the bullpen, he's been bad. So I'm not. I'm not willing to just hand this to McGill yet. Um, and McGill has not had a full major league season either. The first year he came up in like June, and the second year he got hurt. So we still kind of don't know what McGill is. Um. I think he has the highest variance outcome of like all the Mets pitchers, Tyler McGill. Like, yeah, obviously, last year, April, Tyler McGill is like borderline elite. (laughs) Um, But then you like, can he do that without like blowing his arm to bits? Unclear. Because like in spring, I mean, so, you know, spring stats are what they are. I don't put too much stock in them. He hasn't performed super well, but like something that he's been working on is that is like not going so high octane all the time because in an effort to keep himself healthy. Um, So we'll see how that works out for him, uh, whether that be with the Mets or in AAA to start the season. But I, I, I think Joey Lucchese probably will pitch at least an inning or two for the Mets this year. I think so. Even like when there's a double header or a rain out and they need like a spot starter, it can mean you could do a lot worse. He was looking really good before he got hurt. He was on a really good stretch. And um, in 20, well, God, what year was that? 2021? Yes. (laughs) And he's still young too. He's, I think he hasn't, he's not even 30 yet. So I think he's got room for, and just the, the way that Gare delights in saying churv and talking about the churv, like it brings me joy how how happy Gare gets about it. And also then we would have the churv and the ghost fork. We would have two unique pitches in the rotation, but the rotation dream is dead. I understand that. I will have to make peace with that. But um, I think also he would also have, you know, why he has a special place in my heart, too, is the first baseball game I went to post-pandemic, the first baseball game in two years I went to post-pandemic was a Tommy Hunter opener 
followed by a Joey Lucchese star. That is that is very special. We so, do love this baseball team, folks. So love them with our hearts. So I have a special place in my heart for that because he was. Well, Tommy Hunter was technically the first pitcher I saw, but the first starter I saw post-pandemic was Joey Lucchese. And then the second game I went to was a doubleheader, first started by Strowman, and then the second game was Lucchese. So I got a lot of Lucchese post-pandemic, and he was good, damn it. And he comes out to the Sopranos theme, like he's he's fun and okay but he's very fun I will i'm still that. sticking with him i don't care that he's not fun is a perfectly good reason to pick a dude yeah. absolutely i didn't pick mark canna last year because i thought he was gonna actually do his well for the mess as he did that was a nice <laughs> surprise but he was like a sandwich guy like, yeah we, we love we love our sandwich guys dudes are dudes for so many reasons yeah for, for the heart wants what it wants Joey Lucchese is a dude, that's for sure. He and, is a dude. Like, listen, I think I think he can contribute this year, and I'm excited if the Churf does come back. It will be very fun for the Mets. Um, and listen, Mets Mets players still in their 20s, rarer than diamonds these days, especially <laughs> pitchers. Even Senga is 30. Joey Lucchese being on the roster at any point would instantly lower the average age of the team by like two years. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's kind of sad. Yeah. So, um, they're an old team. We're going all pitchers for dudes this year, which is kind of cool. So my dude this year is John Curtis. Um, I already I already talked about him a little bit when I talked about the bullpen competition. Um, I think he's all but a lock to make the team, to make the bullpen at this point. And I would have said that before Edwin Diaz got hurt, and it's, a, it's especially true now. Um, John Curtis is a guy who the Mets signed – not this past offseason, but the offseason before, um, knowing that he was rehabbing from Tommy John surgery and would miss the entire season. Um, but they saw something in him, um, and he was formerly... Basically, he's one of those guys who the Rays churn out like every year, like a factory. Um, and he just like is one of those random Rays relievers that just like put up a two ERA and then he just got hurt. So, but I think he's like good. <laughs> I, I've watched him this spring and he's looked really good and he struck out a whole boatload of guys. Um, so I think that like, especially given the injury to Edwin Diaz and how much outsized importance like every other bullpen guy is going to take on this year with everybody moving up the hierarchy. Like if, you know, you've got Adam Ottavino and David Robertson sort of sharing the closer high leverage role, then that means guys like... Drew Smith and Brooks Raley and John Curtis are going to have to step up into like more higher leverage roles than they probably would would have all uh, would have had before. So I think that John Curtis, you know, like it or not, I think that John Curtis is going to pitch uh, important innings for the Mets this year. Um, and I think he's going to excel and I think he's going to become like basically move up the hierarchy and become like basically one of the Mets setup men this year. Um, I have high hopes for John Curtis. He's looked really good. I'm excited to watch him pitch. Um, yeah. So he's my dude this year. The Mets picking up somebody who doesn't immediately implode like Chase and Shreve would be a nice change of pace. And like go on to do better elsewhere like Chase and Shreve did and like Paul Seawald did. Yes. And, yes. Like Paul Seawald's an elite closer now. Very cool. Like, <laughs> 
Awesome. I still miss Lube. I miss Aaron Lube. Well, Team USA. He's on Team USA. <laughs> I know. Who is currently losing as we speak, by the way. Um, three oh, to geez. one. Starting Merrill Carol Kelly was the mistake. <laughs> yeah. Mer- the Merrill Kelly experience did not work out as we hoped. Um, but they are. I mean, also, Japan's team is just very good really actually quite excellent i mean like this was this was i mean we'll we'll go right into world baseball classic chatter because that was literally the next thing on my list i mean i know we talked a lot about the world baseball classic and like what we can do to make the tournament better etc but i just want to talk about how fun this world baseball classic has been so good um can i also talk about how shohei otani is like doing a lot to you know promote czech baseball Yeah, like, he wore the Czech baseball hat, and that's the only hat that is sold out everywhere. The Czech Republic have been the true mascots of just like if you want to talk about our dudes, the Czech Republic uh, are literally an amalgamation of dudes. Yes, like, I love the Czechs. Just random guys like off the street making a baseball team. Uh, in- incredible scenes. Um, so that well, was that, really fun. Yeah, that's and- like what this is all about. Like. One of their pitchers struck out Otani, and Otani is for his jersey, and like they swapped <laughs> jerseys, and like he signed it. I'm like that's really sweet. Like Otani himself has done more promoting baseball than I think Major League Baseball has done in the past twenty years. Oh, absolutely, no doubt about it. And I mean, everyone Shohei is Ohtani. just happy to be there. Yes, and and Otani, like most of all, like he just embodies that. Like, I'm so happy to be here and be. Well, a he gets it. That's yeah. what it is. He gets it. And like how, you know, these little Czech guys who are plumbers and like none of them are full-time athletes. <laughs> like to strike out Otani is probably one of the biggest thrills of their life. And so, and he, he, he understands that. And, you know, and then another time it was another Japanese player. He accidentally hit one of the Czech players. So before he got on the bus, he brought him over two bags of candy. Like this is like that com- camaraderie. Like they're they're playing the same sport. They come from different cultures, different countries. They speak different languages, but they speak the same language of sport, and they get it. And it basically is like the whole alleged, you know, spirit behind the Olympics. It is yes. it absolutely is. like what yeah. the Olympics claims to do. <laughs> yeah, is <it> not. Um, <laughs> is theory. what like the World Baseball Classic has just fallen into like just become that. And yes. I think that's a credit to the players. Mm-hmm. I think that's um like we said it's Otani, you know, he knows he's probably one of the bigger stars playing in this tournament and he's done what he can to push the sport forward and which is how it should always be. He, like we said, he should be a, a bigger star here than he is. Absolutely. And that's just a major failing on Major League Baseball's part. It'll help when he's on the Mets. Yes, it will. Yes. New York, when he's <laughs> in New York, he will shine. Yes, yes. Um, several players, including Major League Baseball players, have said that 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 the World Baseball Classic has been the most fun they've ever had playing baseball. And I think that's incredible. Um and it's just, and it's not just about fun, although it's been very fun, extremely fun. Like these have been high octane, high stress games. Like yes. I think that this World Baseball Classic has contained like 
maybe four of the 10 best baseball games I've ever seen in my life, just like on an objective level of like the quality well of played product. games. Yes. You know, I think a lot of times people, you know, will look at rosters and see a lot of unknowns and a lot of, but like everyone is giving it their all and it, they're playing cleanly. They are good, good games. These have been really, really good games. I mean, like, how could you not love that walk-off last night from Japan? That was was nuts. That was nuts. It was so fun. Um, I I have this sneaky suspicion because they're, you know, you know, the games played in Japan and, you know, when, when the other countries are playing, the atmosphere is a lot different than how we take in our baseball here. And Steve Cohen went to Japan and he saw how these games are played. So I have a feeling this is going to be the route he's going to try to take the Mets because then he even responded, like somebody else tweeted, like the the, the fans like dancing in, in Japan. And he goes, well, what yes. team is that? And he, then they, or he, he asked, is that in Japan? And somebody, and they responded, yes. So I have a feeling Cohen is taking a, he's at least seeing what's going on in other countries and maybe he'll try that. Cause he, I mean, he was open to doing that last year. He bought in Timmy Trumpet. He had, I, I was gonna say, that was Timmy Trumpet coming in. Absolutely felt like something that would happen in a Japanese baseball game. Yes. Yes. Like 100%. that's the level of like all in everybody knows these cultural markers, like the, the, artist you know whatever celebrity is is on board it's a big just it's a big to do and everybody is excited and into it yeah like i mean did like if you watched any of those taiwan games like that was that was a level at which you that's a level you don't see in major league baseball except maybe in the world series like they had cheerleaders. Yeah. They were on their feet. They didn't sit the entire game. They nope. were chanting every pitch, every at bat. They did not sit once. Like it was just it was the atmosphere was electric for these games, and it's been so fun. And I just wish more Major League Baseball games were like this. And I well, hope and I hope that Steve Cohen's taking notes. Well, he does. I mean, he's having DJ Fridays, so I have a feeling he wants that energy. He wants that vibe in the ballpark. And narco, like we've been saying, narco's kind of the closest we we've gotten to that. Yeah. Um, in in City Field, so I hope that even absent narco itself this year, we will still get that type of electric environment. We have the like the Mets have the star power to do it. They have the players that generate that excitement. Um, they have Francisco Lindor. They have Charlie Marte. They have they have Brandon Nimmo. They have these players that can generate exciting moments like that. Like I'm thinking about that Brandon Nimmo catch last year, yeah, and how exciting mm-hmm. that was, and just like wishing that you know more that like- video. Just that video was the first time my son ever sent a um a YouTube video to me of the Mets because he's on YouTube all the time because that's just the age he is, and like randomly just like the day after it happened, he was like he sent me that video of Brandon Nimmo making the catch. He said, "Did you see this?" He like message it to me and like i think that says it all it's like please like, sir did i see that <laughs> yeah that just like that that is the the kind of thing that generates excitement the kind of excitement that makes something go viral because it's not like he follows a lot of mets 
things on YouTube. Like he's doing like gaming and stuff, but that is the sort of moment that can like, you know, burst through a child's consciousness. Yeah. And make them a fan forever. Yeah. So this has been a fun world baseball classic. We we're recording this during the final game, uh, which Japan is up three to one in the seventh inning. Um, but probably because team USA started Merrill Kelly. Yes. But not, but you know, also not guaranteed. I mean, that is certainly the fun thing about the world baseball classic is that you never know. You never know. And I mean, like, it's well, not- Team USA was always going to struggle with pitching. Yes. It was um, obvious going into the, into the tournament. I predicted going into this tournament that Japan would win it. And it's looking like that prediction will prove to be true. Um, but it, this was, this was a really good matchup and like a pretty even matchup in the sense that Japan's pitching staff is much better than the United States. Um, but the United States has the stronger lineup. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see which of those two things prevailed so far. It's, uh, it's Japan, but we will see. Um, there have been late inning heroics in this tournament many times already, and it could happen again. Um, so other wider baseball news, there is other wider baseball news going on, uh, besides the world baseball classic, if you can believe it, um, won't waste too much time on this, but since we're talking about Japanese baseball, um, is worth noting that Trevor Bauer did sign in Japan, um, claiming claiming the whole time both he and his agent claiming the whole time that it's always been his dream you guys Mm -hmm. we swear Mm -hmm. it's always been trevor's dream to play in japan uh i don't know why i have a i have a hard time believing that uh even though even though coming from a different player i probably would believe it but not coming from him (laughs) someone who lies about everything sure jan yeah sure jan um I obviously the preferred outcome was for Trevor Bauer to be out of organized baseball entirely in any country. Um, But at least I don't have to think of about him in an MLB sense for a while. Um, But, you know, unfortunately, like he will come back into the discourse for MLB teams if he pitches well in Japan. And then like, that's what he's, that's what he's that's his end game right of course yeah um, yeah so hopefully he just gets his tits lit in japan and then we never well how play. strict are they on the sticky stuff in japan i have no idea <laughs> hopefully <laughs> stricter they are stricter. on sex crimes though i was gonna so. say yeah. hopefully stricter than they are about sex crimes <laughs> that is i mean look i know i just went on a whole spiel about loving japan and i do but oh boy they have a couple problems and a big one is sex crimes. Like it's real bad. So yeah, I definitely, when I saw that, I was like, yeah, I, I see it. it I makes mean, sense. as, as baseball, as, as baseball tries to, you know, as baseball in other countries is at the forefront of our consciousness, given the world baseball classic, like we need to talk more about the fact that while we will rail on MLB all day for its handling of domestic violence um, and sexism and generally like gender based issues, like in other countries, it's even worse. Often. Yeah, no, they don't um, even like handle them. <laughs> like, right. There's no yeah. handling to like assess. 
we need to as a as a collective culture and society as a collective baseball culture we need to stop letting these abusers go play baseball in other countries to rehab their image just so they can come back to major league baseball like that that needs to stop and it's happened before with plenty of other players players have played in mexico players have played in korea um go away for a while and then just like magically reemerge because everyone's forgotten about it um Hopefully our memories are a little bit longer with Trevor Bauer than they've been with some other guys in the past. Um, that's all I'll say about that. Um, one, uh, one final thing I wanted to talk about since it's like kind of, you know, the closest to, to the brand of this show as you will ever get. <laughs> um, we spoke about this on, on the podcast when it aired, but um, we finally have an update on a league of their own, the Amazon Prime show uh, <laughs> that, you know, it, it, they aired a season and then just it they didn't say whether it was renewed for many, many months. Um, and everyone was just kind of waiting while other shows were getting canceled or renewed. But the, meanwhile, there was radio silence on a league of their own. Um, we finally learned that the show is going to have a four episode second and final season so i would call that a soft canceling it's not it's not the good news but it's also not the bad news it is it's something they give us a tiny little breadcrumb and that's it um it's it's sad because you know like the the company amazon which you know everyone knows how big of a company amazon is um talked about like how it was too expensive to make it basically and it's like didn't look expensive it's like you just for what you're making some freaking dog shit lord of the rings (laughs) remake (laughs) that you're spending like untold amounts of money a billion dollars (laughs) like and you can't afford this like i find that hard to believe Um, but at least they announced in advance that they can end it and not just be like yeah. leave a cliffhanger and then never pick it up again. Like right. at I mean, least it's, just, it's an it's, ending. I think what's disappointing is that like I wanna see these women kind of carry on through their lives and get to know where they go. And you know, I feel like that kind of long term character development somehow seems to only be valued in shows by and about men. Right, but you know, you know the treatment of the treatment of queer stories and women's stories and uh and the stories of people of color as like fringe and niche is shitty, and it always feels bad. Um, and yeah, I just I just wanted more of the gay Mm -hmm. baseball show. (laughs) I wanted it so bad, but at least we'll get a little bit more. Okay. I will accept any other alternative gay baseball shows to be presented Please. to me if Please. any are available. Please. Um, well, we had pitch for a little while on Fox, but we did have pitch for a little while that got canceled. Yeah. So, but that was a good one too. Yeah. Yeah. Not gay, but there was some nice facial hair. Totally unrelated, but I feel like they live in the same side of my brain. <laughs> <laughs> The, the same synapses are firing. I can't explain it. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah. Uh, but on that note, uh, before we end the show this week, 
we will end the show like we always do with walk-off wins where each of us talks about something that is making us happy this week, baseball-related or otherwise. Maggie Wigan, what is your walk-off win for this week? Um, So I will say wins in the Wigan household have been challenging to find nowadays. Um, And, you know, related to that, I was really wanting to do something nice for my daughter because things have just been hard for her in a way that does not get as recognized as they've been hard for other people in our family. Um, And her birthday's coming up and she wanted to do ballet class. And I could not find any ballet class that was starting before, like, I mean, the summer maybe, but mostly September. And then I like just stumbled into a local class that is a wonderful group. It's called Dance Project of Washington Heights. And if you want to support and any kind of dance organization. I mean, they really like are doing it all in the schools. They have most of their classes have pay as you can options, even like their pre-professional classes, they will um, sliding scale everything. Uh, and it's just a wonderful organization. And they were able to get her in right away. Oh. And she started her first class last weekend and Amazon got us one day delivery of tutu and leotard and, you know, the, the tights and the ballet slippers. And she just killed it. She was oh. just amazing and had a wonderful time and gets to do this every week. And it was just like, man, that was great. Nailed it. Like, absolutely. Like, the schedule even works for us. Like, what the heck is that? So really just, like, wanted to do something nice for my baby girl who deserves it. And I did. And that was really good. So fun. I I all have a picture of her being extremely Ellie. Yes. (laughs) Excellent. Excellent. (laughs) Jinx, Linda. Um, Linda Cervich, what is your walk-off win for this week? I don't I don't know if I said it on air or off air, but um my car was hit like back in January and through no fault of my own, it was completely smashed because somebody smashed it at 3 30 in the morning and didn't leave a note. So I didn't so I had to get it fixed. And then after a series of delay, 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 I finally got my car back this week. And so that nightmare of a chapter is finally closed. Um Yay. but like my um my rental car was a charger, though, which was kind of fun to go. Like, when I was saying to my coworkers at work, I was like the cool librarian for a, a month. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm just back to a regular librarian in a SUV. But, you know, having a sports car park in the library parking lot <laughs> kind of turns some heads for a little while. Um, Don't see but- too many of those, I imagine. Nope. Nope. <laughs> but of course, when I had the charger, it didn't have all wheel drive. And then that's when it snowed twice. So I couldn't go into work. Um, because if anybody knows Westchester, they know it's hills everywhere. And I just wasn't going to risk it. Um, so yeah, of course, everything that went wrong, it could go wrong, went wrong. Um, ever since the beginning when my car got hit. Um, but I have my I have my RAV4 back and the stress is finally gone of having to deal with this, even though it cost me a lot of money. And I'm not going to think about that because yeah, I had to pay out of pocket for the rental because they kept it too long. Um, and then I had to pay the deductible. So that's frustrating that something that wasn't even my fault ended up costing me. So I hope whoever hit my car steps on Legos every day for the rest of their life. Um, but, you know, like... 
I'm just happy. And it runs better than before I got it. So thank Ooh. you to the mechanics who... God bless the mechanics. <laughs> who fixed my car. And now it won't snow when I purposely got this car for the snow. <laughs> but... Um, it has a sunroof, so now that it's getting nice, at least I can enjoy my sunroof. There you go. N getting the car back. It's just like getting a new car. It it's kind of it like is. how the Mets say getting Jose Quintana back is like a trade deadline acquisition. Yeah. That's like, get, getting the same car you had before is like a trade deadline acquisition. That's true. At the very it's least, they cannot trade for Darren Ruff again. Oh, God. No, Maggie. No. <laughs> this was supposed to be a happy segment. No, it is happy. <laughs> you were talking about your car crash. So. <laughs> it is happy. Um, yes. <laughs> well, the weather was nice and I drove with the windows open and while crying listening to Narco. But <laughs> <laughs> That is such a perfect moment in so many ways. And then I skipped Simple Man. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we, we don't. You showed him. That. You don't showed speak him. That. I was like, no, we no. are not listening to Simple Man after this. Not allowed. Um, <laughs> so my walk-off win this week is just the launch of this new podcast network. I, yeah. I'm just so proud of everyone. Um, for this was this was not easy. Like getting here, like I know it seems seamless uh, on the listener end, or at least I hope it does. Um, but this was a lot of work um on a lot of people's part and i'd especially like to shout out our podcast dad brian salvatore i was also gonna shout out podcast dad yes podcast dad he has been an absolute saint and has put in countless hours to make sure that this show will continue that we have a patreon that we have this new network for you like he, he genuinely loves this show and the others on the network and it shows in his work every day and his just, yeah, no, totally. And it's well. just like, I just feel such an outpouring of like happiness and love uh, on his part for all the work that he put in. And just the fact that this new network finally exists, like, like seeing our new logo pop up in my podcast app when we did that emergency episode um, on the Edwin Diaz injury, like seeing that first podcast pop up under the new logo, like it's just like filled my heart with butterflies kind of like how i get on opening day it's like ooh, like yay <laughs> it's really <laughs> ours i mean obviously you know, we love amazing avenue amazing avenue is why we're here and vox and all but like this is this is ours exactly like we built this um you know and, and nobody can take it away from us now exactly nobody can take it from us we we built this and i'm so proud of us um and you know we will we will keep having dollars for dingers. We will keep having like all the stuff you love, plus even more stuff. And that's the best part. So I'm just so excited for this next chapter because I think that now that we are kind of, again, Vox has been eminently generous, but now that we are sort of unleashed and like allowed to do whatever we want and completely independent, and this is completely ours now, like that just makes me so happy because I know we can do great things with this. Um, especially because we have such an amazing community of support. So thank you to every single person who's supported this show since the beginning. Like, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. It means the world to us. And now we have this new network to show for it. We're so excited. So that's my walk-off win. Um, Homer and Applesauce. I'm so excited about it.
So um, that's a good walk off win, Allison. Thank you. Good way to end the show. Our first new show. Our first new show. Oh, and look, U.S. just homered. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> so now we're within a run. Kyle Schwarber just did a solo homer as we record, as we end the show. And we'll um, go back to hating you tomorrow. Yeah, like I am enjoying my my final day of rooting for Trey Turner and Kyle Schwarber. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, hopefully this game continues to bring late-inning uh, fireworks and excitement. Um, but in the meantime, you can go to homerunapplesauce.com. Find all of our shows there. Um, <laughs> you can find all of our shows there. You can also find our Patreon at patreon.com slash homerunapplesauce. You can follow Home Run Applesauce on Twitter and Instagram at hrapplesauce. You can follow this show on Twitter at a pot of their own and on Instagram and on TikTok. You can follow each of us on Twitter. I am at Petit PhD. Where are you, Linda? At Linda Serovich. And you, Maggie? At Maggie162. You can subscribe to the podcast, Home Run Applesauce, wherever you get your podcasts from. Please rate and review the show. This is more important than ever, guys, now that we have this new network. Please rate and review the show. It really helps people find it. The original intro and outro music to this podcast is by Bunga. Let's go Mets. And don't forget, there's no kind.